Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions, an accidental company. Hey everyone, welcome to season three, episode number 11 of the At TSN Hockey Bobcast. This one for Thursday, February 21st, 2019. Yes, it's the Lights, Camera, Action edition of the Bobcast. Look at the goddamn production value we've got going here today. Real live guests in a real live TV radio studio. Yes, it is the pre-trade center extravaganza edition of the Bobcast featuring special guests Darren Dreger, Pierre Lebrun. These guys are the best insiders in the business and they're right here in the studio that we use for Overdrive and Leafs Lunch. So how about this setup, Mulls? I mean, you know... Now, Mulls, by the way, is Mark Mullen, our very able producer of the Bobcast. And he usually sits right where he's sitting right now. But I'm more often than not sitting at home in my root sweatpants, my well-worn Bobby Orr Hall of Fame sweatshirt, and, of course, my flip-flops. But not today. I'm all dressed up. Now, this is a special occasion. I am actually wearing socks, and I've even got underwear on today. (laughs) So you know that it's a big deal. So first off, special thanks to Dregs and Pierre for stopping by. Gentlemen, welcome to the Bobcast. We did this last year. It was the most popular episode of the year. Some people would ask, why don't you do it more often? It's just too much trouble. And not enough money. That too. (laughs) I was going to say, uh, I don't remember getting a check for the most uh, listened to. (laughs) Yeah, I think I said I was going to get you a bottle of wine, and I might not have followed up on that. I'll tell you what, I'll make a a hollow promise now. I'm going to get you a bottle of Jameson. Woo! And I'm going to get you a really nice... I'm going to try and get you more on the Italian wine and off the California cab. Try and refine your palate a little bit and get away from those big, bold, sweetie California cabs. I do need refining in many ways. On, or in many ways. In many ways, you do. So uh, thanks, gentlemen. Um, so anyways, uh, here's the deal for today on this edition of the Bobcast. They actually have cameras rolling on us here so that they can take clips of things we say and post them on tsn.ca. So, I mean, what the hell could go wrong with that? <laughs> you know, we often talk, between the three of us, we do about, I don't know, 350 radio hits a week. Uh, we often talk about getting radioed. That's where in a, a five or a ten minute radio hit, you say one seven second comment that gets pulled out of everything else you said that explained and set up and qualified and and everything that goes with it. And then that one seven second thing is what buries you with everybody. So uh, we can't get radio today because we're not actually on the radio. But you know what? We're going to change the name. We could get Kelvin today. <laughs> and and getting Kelvin today is named in honor of our good pal Kelvin Chow, who's the commander-in-chief of TSN.ca. So um, what's going to happen here for sure is I mean, Dregs or Pierre or myself will talk for two, three, four, five minutes explaining all the subtleties and nuances of a possible trade. And they're going to take a 15-second clip, put it on TSN.ca, and absolutely bury us. 
So, anyways, I kid, of course, Kelvin, <laughs> you're doing a great job. Uh, we're probably going to have to talk real fast today because um, this podcast stands a really good chance of getting dated real fast because things could be happening here in real time as we tape this. I would expect something to happen on the Mark Stone front one way or the other over the course of the afternoon or the early evening, certainly before the, the Sens and the Devils. Um, take to the ice tonight. So um, so maybe we'll back into things a little bit here, ease into it with some softball stuff, and save uh, the really hot stuff, especially as it concerns the Senators and Stone, until a little later in the show, and maybe by then the news will have come to us um, as opposed to us uh, chasing after it. So uh, let's get after it. So as I said, let's ease into this a little bit. A couple of general questions, and we do have a lot of uh, Bobcast listeners that are eager to get some feedback from Dregs and Pierre. So uh, first one comes from Dave. Uh, It says, the last couple of trade deadline days have been relatively quiet compared to years gone by. Are we expecting a busier year this year? Any chance of a blockbuster trade? Or will Gino Retta need to herd the llamas in the parking lot again? Was that the worst ever, the llamas? Yes. Yes. We were disgusted, weren't we? Yeah, I just about had enough at that point. I don't, I mean, you guys have a better ability to multitask than me. I don't know what's going on around me that day. Like, I barely yeah, ever look up and do, see what's how going do you on. Know, but they stink. There's goddamn llamas. They're like six feet tall. They're clomping wow. around the studio. And you didn't see them? Oh, I, I just thought that was Gino smelling. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, my. But you had mascots running around the uh, that running was, around studio. Was that yeah, the same we year? We lost our mind that year. We Somebody did. lost their mind that year. Not but one year, Jane Dan had a T-shirt of me, and someone had to yell at me in my ear to look up. Like, it just, I don't know. I'm looking at my phone the whole day. That year, Bob and I took a stand. We were supposed to be part, remember, of a promo shoot with the llamas and all the nonsense oh, yeah. and everything else. So we just well, none not, of us did it. I not think, doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, no, no. So, anyways, <laughs> whatever. Is gonna, you think it's going to be busy? Well, I, I think it will, but I, I include from now to then as the period. I mean, I, I can't. You can't predict what's going to happen on Monday itself, but I just think it's deeper and there's a better quality to the rental class than we've seen in several years. Yeah, and it, you know. It takes a lot of time. When you're dealing, you know, a specific big-name guy, you know, those things don't happen at 2 o'clock Eastern on Monday afternoon. So uh, the days leading up to Monday are going to be very interesting. But, I, you know, based on the layers and the levels of the available player, I think Monday does have the potential to be mm-hmm. pretty decent. I mean, if Wayne Simmons or Mike Furland or Kevin Hayes or a player like that, if those guys are in play on Monday, we're doing okay. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I think you're right. There's some degree about what's going to happen between now and then. Because the, the next question came from Gordon McEachern up in Aurelia. He says, hey, Bob, love the podcast. Pitched an unsuccessful question in season one, so I thought I'd try again. I can only imagine <laughs> how many you get. Are you anticipating one of the craziest NHL trade deadlines in history? A busy deadline and preceding days would be around 30 to 35 trades. Could 2019 break 40 between February 19th and February 25th? So that's okay. So we're already on what the twenty first today. So that's two days ago, and we've already got the Haglin trade today. We had the Coil trade last yeah. night. So we're already starting to get. A, you know what? I I wouldn't be surprised if we get into the thirties or the forties between now and Monday. It's a, that's a lot of trades, but you know what? There could be a lot of lowercase stuff too, yeah. and the potential for some really big stuff. But but I still feel like the pre cap deadlines were more mayhem because there were no strings yeah. attached. Right. I mean, the days where Detroit's loading up on 17 players on deadline day, and yeah. you don't see that anymore. And that's why the draft has become, and July 1st with free agency, have become 
arguably more busy, clearly. Yeah, and that shopping period before the free agencies made it even crazier. That week leading up is... I still think it's going to be busy, and I, you know, what? I think so too. You know, even from a depth perspective, and and you know, you got to keep in mind they're not always NHL trades, right? I mean, you get the minor league stuff. That's what clogs a lot of our, uh, you know, activity after the three o'clock Eastern bell rings. You know, it's not just the bigger deals that are coming through. I mean, we we start seeing trades leak in and and come in around four four. 30, even upwards of 5 o'clock with a little... Pierre stuff. just sent a text. Anything we need to know? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. Uh, what I do love about deadline day is that there really is a deadline. July 1st, one of the problems with July 1st, even though most of the big things happen that day, is that it you could, could have something over. huge on July 5th. Yeah, it could uh, carry yeah. over for you guys that work past July 1st. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's a deadline on July 1st, and it's when I... Pull out the parking lot yeah. with Leonard Skinner playing Call Me the Breeze as I go up the road to the cottage. That's uh, yeah. the deadline. I, I think I'm going to Cabot around the 2nd or 3rd I think July. you are. So. Oh boy. So well, you can break stories from down there. Oh, yeah, no problem. Dejero, yeah. all set. Yeah. Uh, next question. This is an interesting one. It uh, comes from a David Griffith in Long Beach, California. And this is actually... Uh, this is pretty interesting. I'm a subscriber of the podcast, Bobcast from the beginning. Really enjoy your insights, especially as they pertain to your work as a hockey insider, which, as you probably are aware, is not a common line of work. My question has to do with the trade deadline, a very busy time in your peculiar profession. My question is this. Do you think that NHL general managers and or play, player agents use you, knowingly or otherwise, <laughs> in pursuit of their goals, using you by feeding you informa- information, true or not, that they think would be beneficial to their own agendas. I would point out the lead up to the 2012 trade deadline where you, amongst others, reported that LA Kings captain Dustin Brown was being made available by general manager Dean Lombardi as the Kings were slumping and in need of something to kick them on what we now know was two Stanley Cup championships. I highly doubt that Brown was ever going anywhere at that time and sure enough the deadline came and went with Brown staying put, if I remember correctly, scored a hat-trick versus Chicago hours after the deadline and spurred the Kings on to not only make the playoffs as the eighth seed, but to roll to their first cup win. I hope you can explore this side of your work by sharing your insights without upsetting your sources. Hmm. Thoughts? Uh, well, yeah, he's right. I mean, it absolutely happens. Um, and, you know, y- y- it's managing through that process, right? I mean, we talk to general managers and, uh, and, and team types all the time. And things change literally day to day when you get closer to the trade deadline where, mm-hmm. you know, look, we, we've reported openly on Mike Furland's future with the Carolina Hurricanes. And six Not weeks back ago, fourth 27 times. Yeah, I yeah. mean, six weeks ago, it seemed like it was things 100% change. certain that Furland was going to be traded. Things do change. Now, are you being used by your sources in that scenario? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, it's, but to his question, is a really good question. I think cultures, we get to deadline day, I, I really, same as you guys, try to filter through that. And so I'm going to be careful here. Yes. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to name no the player. But sometimes you'll hear a new team suddenly attached to a player and, and you're trying to figure out why. And sometimes, frankly, it's, be, it's because the team is trying, the team's doing the selling is trying to expand his market and wants the media to help out in doing that. So it's our job to make sure that we know what's true or not and not just go with that. Now, I hope you guys' memory is better than mine, but all I remember about the Dustin Brown trade rumors mm-hmm. is that he was very much in play. I think yeah. so, too. That was absolute 100% legitimate. And because, and, and I understand what, what, what David's talking about, 
you know, the average fan would hear these reports, nothing happens at the deadline, so then they say, well, then the reports were bullshit. Yeah, right. You know, no, the reports weren't bullshit. I know for a fact that they weren't that year, mm. that he was very much in play, and it didn't happen. And so, fine, it didn't happen. Not everything happens that you, you think might, but I know for a fact that the reporting was accurate on that one, and he wasn't traded, and, of course, as they say, the rest is Stanley Cup history. Yeah. And got him a big new contract after that cup too. Now, you know it's like Eric Carlson at that deadline last year. Like I hope no one out there actually doubts that he was nearly a Vegas Golden Knight. I mean, we we could not have been more clear on that one. No, I mean, but but you do have both sides who will give you different stories, different versions of what <laughs> yeah. close to how, yeah, enough, but... how close it was and how close to the deadline they actually came before Vegas said, "All right, well, enough." Well, here's here's a, an example. So let's use the word close. So was Carlson close to being uh, a Vegas Golden Knight? The Ottawa Senators would say no because their definition of close in that situation was the offer that Vegas had on the table wasn't close to what they were willing to accept. But the fact that it was going down to the last hour, minutes, whatever it was, leading up to the deadline, Vegas felt like they were close mm-hmm. to being able to getting something to done. And, get done. And, and close again is in the, BI, uh, the eye of the beholder. So if, if Vegas had changed one player and in the deal, yeah. you know, it could have been done. But in any case, we, we knew at the deadline that Carlson was going. Everybody in Ottawa was mad that we suggested as much. Yeah. And, of course... First chance that they got to trade him before training camp, they did. You know, those negotiations, too, from a club versus club perspective can be a little bit damaging. Now, you're, you know, the general manager, whoever it happens to be, is always going to do whatever is best to make his club better. Mm-hmm. But if we want to look at that Vegas Ottawa scenario last year, and then maybe likewise with Winnipeg and, and Ottawa with Derek Brassard, I mean, you get to a point, and, and Vegas and, and and Ottawa is probably a better example because it was deadline day and it was creeping close to 3 o'clock. Right. But when you don't get that player, can you imagine the level of frustration from that management wow. group? Because you feel like you pissed away you know, a better part of your day, and then they end up having, they made the wow. hard trade like, as a knee jerk, right? Out well, of and on top of that, Vegas tried all summer to get Eric Carlson again. And I happen to be sitting, this is a really <laughs> weird story. I think you guys remember this. I happen to be walking in the George McPhee's office half an hour after the San Jose Sharks acquisition of Eric Carlson got announced during training camp. Oof. I just happened to be yeah, yeah. in Vegas writing some stories. And, you know, George McPhee was very careful in what he said, but the steam coming out of his ears could not be hidden <laughs> because they tried at the deadline and then they tried again all summer and they didn't get him. So to your point, probably a bit of tension there between Ottawa and Vegas on future deals. Yeah, well, but they've got one potentially in, in Mark Stone that you know, I'm pretty sure <laughs> you know, Vegas would uh, would like in on that based on the Kelly McCrimmon uh, connection. Yeah. But, I mean, look, again, George McPhee's an old pro and uh, if there's opportunity to improve his team, he'll do it. Okay, let's uh, do a little cross-Canada checkup here. We'll start with some of the cities in, in Canada, maybe less likely to make a, a big splash, but they still could do something. So let's start with the Vancouver Canucks. Pierre, you want to encapsulate yeah, I, what they may or may not do? I mean, I think they'd like to add some scoring, but I think more so in a hockey deal. They're obviously not in on the big rentals. I had a little thing on Edler today in my notebook, but... You know, calls are coming in on Edler because Monday's a deadline. So, of course, they are. People are kicking tires. He's got a full no trade. So, it's going to be fascinating to me. It seems like Vancouver is always a team getting caught with the full no trade in, the, in that situation. Remember Hamus and also yep. right in Verbata. But um, so the question 
to me is this. I know Vancouver continues to have dialogue with Edler's agent about an extension on the one track. On the other hand, teams are phoning. So I think at some point Jim Benning will go to the Edler camp and say, what do you think of this opportunity for yourself? Yeah. But at the same time, still see if they can sign him. So it's going to be fascinating to me, one or the other, which one happens. And if it is signing him, it doesn't necessarily have to be before Monday. I mean, they've got time to play with on that track. Yeah, and, and we actually had a question from Chris about that. He said, Jim Benning has publicly stated that he'd like to keep Alex Edler and resign him, yet there are reports the two sides haven't even met yet to start discussing an extension. This, by the way, was sent on February 20th, so that was yesterday. What value would you put on Edler as a trade piece, and is there a possibility that Benning is still listening on offers if, uh, to see if someone would make a fantastic offer to move Edler at the deadline? Yeah. Well, they met two weeks ago, first of all, the agent and the GM, and they've continued the talk since, but... Yeah. Could go either way, really. Yeah, and I mean, he has the no-trade protection, as you've talked about. Uh, I feel like the player expects that Jim Benning is coming to him at some point between now and Monday. And, you know, again, it's all about health and opportunity. If he's healthy enough and the opportunity is legit where, you know, he's able to move into a Stanley Cup potential environment, then I think it's something he'd probably consider. I find with Vancouver, certainly in the last couple, two, three years anyways, that there's a huge divergence between the perception of what the fans and media believe they should be doing <laughs> and what the club is actually doing. And witness mm-hmm. the, the signing of Roussel and Schaller and the, the, de- the veteran depth guys. Um, the lack of, of what I would say legitimate trade talk going up to deadlines involving guys like Edler and Tanev. Um, it, it just seems to me like the, the Canucks don't want to offload their guys. They they don't want to you know strip it down. They they want to try to keep making the playoffs and mm-hmm. and and yet you know we're all on Vancouver radio. How often do we talk about you know, are they going to move Edler? Are they going to move yeah. Tanner? Are they going to move mm-hmm. this guy? Are they going to move Sutter? And and I'm like I see no willingness on the part of ownership slash management no. to engage in an offloading. To, to bring in younger assets at this point. Yeah, you know, they obviously did did before when they went through with Burroughs and guys like that, but, I mean, it's... I, I think you're bang on, Bob, because I think they fear that if they go all young, that it's not the right atmosphere <clears throat> to develop their younger players. And I don't know if the Edmonton, the past decade in Edmonton has scared off a lot of teams that way, but I think more and more teams, and, and, and I could name a few others, who believe that you have to have veterans around your kids yeah. as you're building your team. I, I think... Again, and, and maybe Jimmy Benning and uh, the Canucks people are, are just looking around, reading the tea leaves, and recognizing that there are going to be good players available in the summer, either right. as free agents or at the draft. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs have to do something. You know, the Winnipeg Jets have a lot of work to do there. Yeah. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Calgary Flames go down the list. So, you know, if Benning puts himself in a good position on the draft floor, maybe you can acquire a couple of pieces that, you know, are somewhere in between the young guys and uh, veteran. That brings us to a somewhat unusual question from Kier Hamilton from Courtney, B.C. It says, hey, Bob, thanks for the great job you're doing the Bobcast as well as TSN. I'm curious about whether or not you think Jim Benning would be interested in trying to land Artemi Panarin if he ends up going to free agency. The idea of Panarin on a line with Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson is beyond thrilling for this lifelong Canuck fan. Plus, I wonder if the infusion of another high-end Russian player might be enough to entice Nikita Triampkin to return to <laughs> Vancouver when his KHL contract expires 
tires. Panarin and Triamkin are from the same area of Russia, and I know that at least part of what drove Triamkin away was homesickness. Thanks for your time, Bob. Keep up the great work. That from Kier Hamilton. You know, it's funny. Most people would say there's no way Artemi Panarin is going to Vancouver, and I would probably say that too. But when we've been handicapping if, if Panarin's in true free agency, forget about the trade deadline. If he's in true free agency, where might he want to go? And my understanding of the situation is that, for the most part, Canada's a no-fly zone for Panarin. But that there might be two exceptions to that. And one was, one was Toronto and one was Vancouver, simply because of the size of the cities and, and what the cities are all about. And obviously, he's not coming to Toronto. There's a, uh, the, the money Panarin wants. They've already. Did you got. just say he's coming to Toronto? <laughs> yeah, there, Kelvin, there's your clip. <laughs> um, but um, but you know Vancouver. It, and again, when, when when we talk about Panarin, and, and this is for free agent day or closer to it, I'm sure. Um, you know, everybody's talking Florida, the Rangers, L.A. You know, West Coast, East Coast, original six. Destination cities. Desti- you know, Florida, Tampa, yeah. Florida, whatever the case may be, without any thought to salary caps or whatever. But as I said, Canada is, is a lowercase possibility, and most of Canada would be a no-fly zone for Panarin. But for what it's worth, Toronto, Vancouver, as I say. I and you can't disregard, even though I think everyone's made a point of trying to say it's not a package deal. But now the same agent, Paul Theofanis, represents good, both Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin, and which plays into the hands of a team like Florida, who wants both, but certainly not other teams who would only want Panarin. So something to keep in mind. All righty, let's move uh, a little east from Vancouver. Let's check out the... Uh the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Dregs, you want to jump on the oil and what they may or may not do? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think Edmonton has the assets to do a whole heck of a lot between now and, and Monday. That's not to say they don't have a couple of interesting pieces. I think Alex Chason is, uh, is a player of interest based on the unbelievable year that he's had. You know, one of the brighter spots in a team that's been through so much negativity yet again. Um, word on the street is that they're looking for a second uh, and a prospect, or, or, or I think, yeah, and or depending on the quality of the prospect, or you know, I guess the dependent on the pick as well. Uh, and Zach Cassian, I mean, again, teams going into the playoffs like to have a little bit extra bite. Hmm. Um, there, calls are coming in on a regular basis on Darnell Nurse. They're not doing that. They're not right. going to take away from their four or five guys that they actually know that they've got who are decent players. So, you know, Edmonton might be relatively quiet. I The Yessi Pugliarvi thing, we're going to have to pay attention to, although it sounds like his injury is more of a longer-term thing. Uh, so he may not be a legitimate, you know, player of interest on, on Monday anyway. And it sounds like they want to keep their powder dry there and hope he goes to Bakersfield, hopes that uh, he increases his trade value or his value to the team moving forward. So, sorry, Oilers fans. Uh, I don't think that there's going to be a whole lot coming And, and even on the Chason thing, um, if Paul Yarvey's injured, and did I see uh, Jujar Carr? Is yeah, yeah he's hurt well, too, yeah. You know, they need some bodies. Yeah. they they gotta, they got to finish the season here, and they're still trying to make the playoffs. Um, and I think they like the idea of, of signing him too. There, there have been discussions with Chase and right. his agent Pat Morris. Right. So, which brings us to this next question. Hey, Bob, appreciate you taking time to read this. In your opinion, what would it take for the Oilers to trade Lucic, Chris Russell, and Andre Sekera? Seems impossible to do this. I know. <laughs> yes, it does. But it, it's it's funny because you, you start to blue sky things, and I I, I don't want to I want to make sure I don't get Kelvin here. But as I sit there having a glass of wine or maybe six. <laughs> um, 
thinking what are some creative ways that the Edmonton Oilers might be able to get out from underneath Mm -hmm. some of these contracts. And I'm thinking, no one's going to take Lucic's contract. And then I start to think, well, wait a second here. And and we're going to have to see, and again, this is just flight of fancy stuff, but if if Mark Stone's not back with the Ottawa Senators and and Duchesne, they're going to have to get to the salary cap floor. And they're going to have to... They may have to do some deals where they bring in money just to bring in money. But if you're going to do that, then look, you know, weaponize that ability to take other people's bad contracts. Yeah. And I'm thinking Lucic. So, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. If I were a general manager, um, I might go to, and I had plenty of room and didn't mind shelling out the money, and I've got to get to the cap floor. I might go to Edmonton and say, tell you what, I'll take the Lucic contract from you. But I, I want Pugliarvi and, you know, and something else to do it. Yeah. Mm. And that's how you get out from underneath it. And, and I don't know how Edmonton would feel about that. You know, maybe Pugliarvi's going to get traded anyways, but maybe they want an asset for him. But cap space is an asset. And <laughs> if the new general manager comes in there and is hamstrung with all these contracts, it's going to be really difficult for them to turn the corner. But uh, I'm not sure. Uh, well, well, is it interesting? A year ago, we were talking about how Bobby Ryan would have to be part of any Eric Carlson trade at the yeah. deadline. Yeah. yeah. And now they... To your point, Bob, they probably need Bobby Ryan to stay in Ottawa, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, there, and we, we may talk later. You know, I hear a lot of talk out of Tampa about Ryan Callahan's, you know, contract. How, and I don't know that it would necessarily be done between now and the deadline. Probably not. But that, you know, that's going to be a contract that they're going to have to move and, and sure. give up an asset yeah. to get somebody to, to take it. And I wonder if the Rangers would take it. You know, just depending on where they're at. Uh, I think that there had been some discussion on that. But Ottawa's going to be fascinating from that perspective, right? Assuming, now, if they get Stone signed and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe they get Ryan Dezingle signed too. Um, if not, if all three of those guys go, then, again, you look at the cap scenario of the of the uh, Ottawa Senators. So there's potential for a lot of it. Okay, let's move to the Montreal Canadiens. We've got a question here from Matt in Kitchener who says, Go Rangers, go, which I'm all <laughs> for. Yes, yes. My son Mike's the general manager of the Kitchener <laughs> Rangers. But Matt, obviously, in Kitchener, is a, a Montreal Canadian fan. He says, Hey, Bob, big fan of the Bobcast. Been listening every other week since episode one, season one. I would like your thoughts on the current state of the Montreal Canadiens at the moment. At the start of the season, as you know, Montreal was predicted to be more of a bottom-dwelling team with little to no playoff implications. But after the start of the season, you know Montreal started turning some heads, and as we went through the world, Juniors, Montreal has a ton of prospects who really look good. As you might know, Bergevin did say he's not interested in any rentals, nor is he interested in trading away young talent at this time. Last night, the Habs were able to beat an actual cup contender, the Winnipeg Jets 5-2. I should put in parentheses, everybody's been beating the Jets lately and badly last night. Um, And uh, Montreal showcased over 50 shots uh, against them and are currently only sitting one point away from passing Toronto. This is a little out of date now. They've, they're more wild card uh, than Toronto, uh, Boston territory. Mm-hmm. At one point this season, at, at what point this season do you think Bergevin should start to consider making a stronger playoff run and would consider trading a player like Josh Brook or another top prospect this season? Do you think it's in Montreal's best interest to try this season for the Cup? Um, and so, Pierre, how about you? Uh, our resident Montreal expert. Yeah. Uh, well, with Mark Bergevin, always the uh, the caveat that uh, he likes to shock people. Yes, but he does. Teams that have been calling have gotten the impression from him that while he's all ears and he's got a lot of cap room, 
as I like to say, if he can do a Yol Armia-esque deal before Monday, he would, which is yeah. to use his cap space to get a free asset. Yeah. Funny you should mention that. Quick question here. Lori from Mississauga. Hi, guys. LeBron has made several references to the Habs making another Armia-type deal to offer their cap space for assets. See how prepared we are on this show? That is amazing. Which teams and players are an obvious partner for such a deal? Yeah, so I think that's something Montreal's looked at, or at least discussed internally. It feels to me like June is an easier time to to do the cap stuff than now, but the Habs have let teams know they're there if there's something to park with them and, and they can get an asset out of it. Um I really feel that Bergman is being genuine when he has, when he said midway through the year in his news conference, he really wants to protect his high end future assets. Like that's not a, they're not changing course because they've surprised. And really, now they are where they should be in the standings, which is they're only, I think, two or three points up as we tape this. They're a wildcard team, is 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 what their true ceiling is. And so because of that, he's not going to overreact. But again, because of the cap room they have. I think it allows for the possibility that you never know with Mark Bergman before Monday. But what I would tell you is he would absolutely have zero problem standing pat either. Right. Like they know who they are and they love their youth that's coming up the pipeline. I think, too, it's got to be very player-specific and and not just skill-specific, right? Mm -hmm. Like they've done a good job of uh, redefining their work ethic and the culture of the Montreal Canadiens. So that has to play into it. You know, unless it's a can't miss or a can't lose type of transaction where you know you're getting better, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be careful because he likes what he's got now in that dressing room. Okay, yeah, either one of you guys can jump in on this one, and this is a question we've got a lot. This one just came in this morning from Bach, and Bach says, uh, Matt Duchesne rumors, are the Habs in on him? What, what or who would they <laughs> give up, and would you do it to acquire him? Thank you. I don't believe they are. I don't either. Um, Again, that would be so out of context from what teams are being told from Mark Bergevin. I think the idea of them maybe being in it certainly benefits the Ottawa Senators who want as strong a market as possible for Matt Duchesne, which I don't think is a problem anyway. Nashville has legitimate interest. Columbus has legitimate interest. Islanders. So there shouldn't be an issue trading Matt Duchesne, I don't think. where did that come from, by the way? What's that? Do we have any idea? I mean, we, we don't have to... Shane to Montreal? Yeah. I don't know. But it's funny because when he was... There was all sorts of talk before. Wasn't it wasn't right around the time of the World Cup? Yeah. Yeah. When there yeah. were all sorts of Matt Duchesne to Montreal rumors. Mm-hmm. And I got in all sorts of trouble because mm-hmm. I said that... Oh, right. I, I said that... that the Canadians were amongst one of a number of teams in the National Hockey League that viewed Duchesne as a better winger than a center. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in Colorado and elsewhere kind of got upset about that. But I mean, yeah. I mean, Nashville makes so much sense to me, and we've been on this for a while, so I feel like I'm repeating myself. But David Poyle openly discussed how he tried for two years to trade for Matt Duchesne, if you remember, yeah. when he was in Colorado. So I don't know why he'd be less interested today. Yeah. Now, maybe the price is... Too much to get him right now. I mean, if you're Pierre Dorio, you're you're gonna try and hit a home run on a Mac Duchesne deal, given what you gave up for him. Okay, mm-hmm. let's uh, shift gears. Let's go to everyone's favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Bobcast, by the way, is not the Toronto Sports Network. See, we didn't start with Toronto. No, started with our friends in Vancouver. Gave Edmonton some love. Yeah, kind of just sandwiched Toronto in the middle, and and and. We'll say we're saving all the best for last, obviously, which is of course Ottawa and Winnipeg. <laughs> 
But, uh, Dregs, what, what do you think the, the deal is in Toronto? Well, here? I mean, you know, Kyle Dubas and his henchmen continue to... Sure, they're not playing. <laughs> they continue to scout the Carolina Hurricanes, the New York Rangers. We know that, you know, whether it's a depth piece like Adam McQuaid, who, you know, is probably better than a depth piece. You know, he's a third-pairing defenseman, but he's got experience. And, uh, you know, he brings a tangible asset of, of having a, a, a grit element to him. You know, are they look still looking at Brett Pesci? Is it Justin Falk? Like, who are they looking at in Carolina? And and what we continually are told is that, yeah, they're scouting these guys, but they don't want to give up a player off their existing NHL roster. So mm-hmm. then you look to the Marlies, and you see Lilligren, and you see Borgman, and you see Jeremy Bracco, and you see guys like that. I'm sure everybody's asking for Sandine. But yeah, that's not, not happening. They're not getting Sandine. So. And and there are other people who who maintain that Liljegren is is an untouchable too. And I don't believe that. No, I mean that's that, that's that's my take. Yeah, is that he could be had. Yeah, that Sandine's the guy that they really want to protect at all costs. But that they'd be much more open to just about anybody else off the Marlies. The thing that bemuses me about the whole Carolina Toronto thing because I think I'm as guilty as anyone to keep bringing them up all year, especially during the Nylander thing, but. So Lawrence Gilman, the assistant GM of the Leafs, by my count, and we probably don't know everyone, but has at least scouted them personally three times over the last month, the, the, the Hurricanes, including this past week when the Rangers were in Carolina. But as of this morning, unless I'm not getting great information here, my understanding is the Leafs and the Carolina Hurricanes have not spoken in forever. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't know if this is the ultimate tease wow. from the Toronto Maple Leafs to Carolina or... And I, What's going on? I mean, we made an agreement that we would throw out anything we wanted that wouldn't uh, infringe on insider trading. <laughs> so I can tell you, Marcus Leto, who's Casper Capitan's agent, is mm-hmm. in Toronto, mm-hmm. and he's meeting with Kyle Dubas prior to the game. And who knows? I mean, that, I, now, I don't think that anybody should expect any sort of revelation to come out of that meeting. It's an initial introductory-style meeting, mm-hmm. right, where, all right, well, what are you guys thinking? You know, are you thinking bridge? Are you thinking, you know, ex- uh, multi-year extension? What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. I think it's just building the parameters, but maybe it takes a different tone. Marcus Leto is going to say offer sheet. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, well, he might. And then, <laughs> but, look, I mean, again, depending on how that conversation goes or subsequent conversations, maybe even between now and Monday, does that change the view of, of Toronto management well, as to whether or not they're more willing to consider one of those? Places? I know Bob's listeners are very in tune and they're very smart, but the reason you made that jump to Kapanen is obviously because that's a player that Carolina yeah. covets, as well as Andreas Janssen, by the way. I yeah. mean, Carolina would love to get into a conversation about either one of those young Fords. It's just that that conversation literally has not happened yet. Right. Well, I guess, and it may not. I, I believe in addition to Kyle Dubas talking to Marcus Leto about Kasperi Kapanen, that he, Dubas may have already spoken in the past week, and if he hasn't, he will be very soon, to Andreas Janssen's Swedish agent as well. And to your point, Darren, I think what's happening here is it's just collecting information. I mean, I don't believe that Kyle Dubas or the Toronto Maple Leafs want to trade Kasperi Kapanen or Andreas Janssen by Monday. Right. I don't think that's the plan. No. But you got to think more globally here. And and we all, I think, and I I talked about this with with Landsberg and Koliakovo the other morning. I, I think we're all guilty sometimes of being so ultra-focused 
looking through a pinhole at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. and everybody looks at the Leafs and says, they need a right shot D, and they need a forward who's tough. And and I think a, a general manager like Kyle Dubas and an organization like the Toronto Maple Leafs, especially with the economic challenges that they're going to face on so many levels, they've got to think more globally. And what I mean by that is part of the reason why I believe Dubas is talking to the agents for these two guys who are both restricted free agents at the end of the year, Janssen with salary arborites, um, Kapanen without them, is because he wants to try and get a reasonable expectation of what their expectations are. And he wants to find out, are, you know, is, is Kapanen absolutely, uh, totally opposed to a bridge deal? Because he needs to know that. Because if he is, or he, or Kyle Dubas senses that, you know what, this could be William Nylander part two for me. And I, I can't afford to have a guy like Kapanen on the sidelines next year for, for two months. It's just not going to work. So does that mean that maybe I might think more about trading him between now and Monday? Yeah. I don't know. I, but it's all just a matter of, of gathering the information and then factoring it into decisions that need to be made because maybe they are going to look at Pesci yeah. or whoever and say, yeah, you know what, we're going to have so much trouble fitting these guys in or signing these guys yeah. that we're probably more prudent to get rid of one of them for a defenseman who's got four or five years left at a really club-friendly number. So, again, not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's the thought process mm-hmm. at work here. We also know that maybe it is you know, pinhole focus for the Leafs. Maybe it is simple as they had multiple scouts watching the Detroit Red Wings play last night. Maybe they're looking at Nick Jensen and saying, there's a good depth right shot defenseman mm-hmm. who could be had for a, yep. a draft pick that's not a first-round pick. Why wouldn't we bring yep. in things? Maybe when they were looking at Carolina and the Rangers the other night, they were looking at Adam McQuaid strictly saying, hey, for a third-round pick, because right now the Rangers expect and think they're going to get a third-round pick for Adam McQuaid. Yep. Maybe that's the one. Or maybe they were thinking much bigger picture with the right shot defenseman from Carolina. So I guess what we're saying is we don't know. Yeah. Right. But I, I and I use this analogy, we all think we're playing checkers and sometimes general managers have to play chess. And a general manager like Kyle Dubas might need to play chess because of the economic stuff that goes with all the hockey stuff yeah. and how you roll out your roster, not mm-hmm. just this year, but next year and the year after. And, and I can't get anyone to confirm this, but I think at the time when L.A. traded Jake Muzzin to Toronto, I think the Anaheim Ducks were pretty interested observers in all that. And, and I think to some degree because the Ducks are all ears these days anyway. I mean, they're in for a retooling. But, you know, I know a lot of people would love to see as a fit Brandon Montour in Toronto, but the kind of pieces that it would take ooh, to make that happen – I don't believe our pieces right now. The Leafs want to give up. <laughs> Going back to basically everything you just played out, Rob, right? Absolutely. All right, let's uh, start talking some of the, the big boys in Canada. Um, big boy hockey, as Pierre likes to say. That's right. Um, big boys for different reasons, as we'll explain as we go along here. Calgary Flames, Pierre, what uh, what gives there? I mean, listen, I, I, I absolutely know and believe that Mark Stone's of interest to them. I mean... Was another stone playing for Calgary, yeah, Michael. Players, right? Interestingly enough, uh, you know. But here's the caveat I would throw in that deal: is that I think Calgary would need to know, if not literally, need to have it happen, that Mark Stone is signed to a contract to be part of the Flames' past this year, to some degree. That might be difficult. If not signed, then at least, you know, sometimes you you have a conversation with the parties involved, yeah. and you yeah. you know you have a fighting chance. 
I think that would be a big part of it for Calgary to dive all in because I think we're talking a three to four asset haul if Stone, in fact, is available. Right. We'll get to yeah. that in a minute. But it's absolutely quite legitimate that Calgary's keeping an eye on that situation. But others as well. I mean, I think Zuccarello and Hayes with the Rangers. Um, I mean, I think Brad Tree Living's keeping a very close eye on all these guys, and, and they're going to make their offers. I think they'd like to upgrade up um, – up front, I think they'd like a third-pairing left-handed defenseman, um, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been more on top of the goaltending situation there, but it doesn't feel to me like that's going to happen. Yeah. No. No. I know the fans and media feel like they need an upgrade there, but I think I think they're more than likely prepared to ride it out with mm-hmm. uh, Smith and, and, and Riddick. They, they yeah. seem to take turns having hot streaks. Yeah. And so... I'd be surprised if they use assets on a goaltender. No, I mean, they sniffed around Jimmy uh, Jimmy Howard in Detroit a little bit. But, uh, I mean, both sides acknowledged that it was very basic communication. It wasn't a significant gesture and most definitely wasn't an offer. But I didn't know that. Did yeah. you say that in 19 I wasn't listening? Yeah, okay. well, you don't often listen. It was a cursory tire he kicking. Wrote it three days later in the Athletic. <laughs> breaking news. I hope is. I credited you. <laughs> uh, you know, you know what I think. As an aside, I know we got to go quick here, but no, we I got feel, lots of time. I feel like the Ryan Miller trade to St. Louis was such a disaster years ago from Buffalo that it has scared off teams from thinking they can tinker with their number one goalie midseason. Yeah. I really feel that strongly. That your goalie's your goalie once you decide in August who your goalie is. I feel like. Well, and here's the thing with, with rental goalies. So Detroit's got Jimmy Howard out there, and, and Columbus potentially could have Bobrovsky. Um, and I wonder about Anders Nilsson, frankly, from the Ottawa Senators. He's right. an UFA right. at the end of the year. He has right. been, aside from the other night, he has been really good. He goes a backup really good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the, on, on Howard and, and Bobrovsky, you know, they carry with them price tags that would indicate that they're a number one goaltender yeah. in the National yeah. Hockey League. Um Who's looking for a number one goal? Which, which playoff contender, which team that's going to the playoffs wants a guy to be a number one goalie? I mean, if you're going to the playoffs, no. you've probably got your number one. You probably don't want a guy making five or seven million, even as a rental, um, unless it's you've got plenty of cap room and it's a, an insurance policy. And I know from Detroit's perspective, we can talk about Detroit later, but I don't think Kenny Holland wants to trade Jimmy Howard for a a mid-round draft pick for him mm-hmm. to go be somebody's backup somewhere. Yeah, because um, they have interest in signing Jimmy Howard, whether it's yeah, now or yeah, after the season. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. So, anyways, and I'll the funny it. thing is, a team that might need Jimmy Howard the most would be Columbus if they traded Bobrovsky. Not yeah. to make, <laughs> not to, not to confuse everyone, but yeah, exactly. Um, okay, that's it on Calgary. So, Dregs, you're our man in Winnipeg. You were recently there, man. Oh man, were oh. they bad last night? Have they been bad lately? Uh, yeah, they have been, but not to that degree. I that mean, was. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to watch Paul Maurice in the post-game scrum. I mean, he's normally very thoughtful, articulate. You know, he's hot under the collar when they lose, as every coach is. Mm-hmm. Um, he was almost despondent last night. And Brian Munns, who's a colleague of ours from TSN Radio in, in Winnipeg, um, framed a question along the lines of, you know, players in your room felt like they kind of quit in that third period. And Paul, he wasn't mad at Brian. He just said, well, did they use that word? And Brian said, yeah, they did. And he goes, okay, we'll fix that tomorrow. (laughs) He basically left the scrum. But when Mm -hmm. I was in Winnipeg last week, the message, and and very public message, was 
things are really difficult for the Winnipeg Jets right now, and they can't put a finger on why. I mean, you look at inexplicably how Patrick Lyon, he can't hit the net, let alone score a goal. You know, so that's part of it. But there are multiple layers to it. So they're trying to sort through all of that. In the meantime, there's a fair bit of pressure on Kevin Shoveldayoff and the Jets in general to improve that roster. And a lot of it is outside media, but the local media is very much in tune. You know, we've talked about the possibility of them landing uh, Mark Stone, clearly. You know, he's priority one if he's available. Um, and then you go down the list from there. Kevin Hayes would be a nice add. Yeah. They have some interest. Yeah, yeah, in, in Matsugarello, you know, mm-hmm. who lots of teams are interested in those pieces. But because of, you know, what's going on or not going on in Ottawa, Chevy's kind of stuck in the mud right now. Um, but as he reminded me when I was there, as much as the market wants him to do something very aggressive, you know, we have to remind everyone they're still a young team, especially up front. Their mm-hmm. wingers are young. So he's he's, he's not going to blast out Jack Roslovic, his first-round pick, and Veselainen and something else unless he's getting a can't-lose player like Mark Stone in return. And if those guys aren't available, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he doesn't do much of anything. Maybe yeah, a lower bottom six. And I was really thinking the Jets today because they took the 7-1 pasting last night. Montreal also questioned him last week. I wrote the piece today in the Athletic that, and I'm not trying to speak from both sides of my mouth because I'm as guilty as anyone. We hype up Trade Center and the trade deadline because it's fun and and people are interested in it. But the team that won the Cup last year added yeah. a defenseman that basically didn't have a job, and Michael Kempney ended up being John Carlson's For defense sure. partner. But I'm saying... You don't win the cup on deadline day. I really believe that. Now, you can certainly augment your chances, but if the Winnipeg Jets strike out on the big boys, they got a really good hockey team. And yep. maybe that means that Jack Roslovic makes <laughs> it his playoffs or Brendan Lemieux or Niku, whatever. I, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to speak from both sides of my mouth because yeah. the Jets will no, never I'm, be able to add again because of the salary cap uh, after this year. But I agree with you, but at the same time, I don't know that we had the quantity or quality of players available. No. Like Stone and Duchesne and yeah. and potentially Panarin if if Columbus moves them. Although I'm kind of doubtful on that. It's at best fifty fifty in in my mind. But what's cl- what's clouding it though is how we started the, this conversation on Winnipeg is they're playing so poorly. Yeah, you know now ownership's got to be asking management. You know, are you sure you? <laughs> You want to give up a Sammy Niku or a Jack Roslovic or Veselainen or any other of these top coveted young players? Like, are you sure? Because if you're not sure based on how we're playing, mm-hmm. then let's not blow out young assets. Or, or is it the other way? Yeah, I was going to say, say it would be the other I, way. Yeah. We, we should give Mark Chipman a call right now and say, <laughs> are you turning the heat up on your general manager or are you turning it down? Yeah. Well, one thing I don't think has gotten enough attention. Now, as a team, they were terrible last night, so I'm not pitting this on Connor Hellebuck. But I think it's gone, it hasn't been as big a story, I think, as it should be. Connor Halibuck's not as good this year as he was a year ago. I mean, he just hasn't been. Yeah. Like, he's had great moments, and I still think he's an elite top five net miner in the world, and he probably will be when it matters. But I'm just saying, his season has not been as consistent as it was a year ago. See, and, and here's the other thing I think a lot of people miss, that, that most teams go through a phase like the Jets are going through right now. The vast majority of them have a thing. It's just, yeah. it's all timing. I mean, the, the the fact that you're having this deep valley and trough that you're in right before the trade deadline kind of messes with everybody's head yeah. to, our, to our point. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, having adversity, you know, and again, I'm thinking of Tampa. 
They've had zero adversity. I was going to say, one team is cooking. One uh, team is just <laughs> cooking with gas like you would not believe. Yeah. Oh, I'm, which, by the way, I'm going to change gears for one second here because I completely forgot <laughs> about a question that I thought was interesting. And it's also an opportunity. Um, the Bobcast team, it's basically, well, there's, I'll, I'll say it's a three man crew. We've got our wonderful producer, Mark Mullen, we've got myself, star of the show. Um, as advertised, <laughs> name sponsor. Um, and we've got Chris from Canada. Chris from Canada does the show notes. So afterwards, he sits down and he makes smart aleck comments, and we post the show notes so people can look at the time and whatever. Anyways, I think Chris from Canada uh, started asking for questions on his Facebook page, and uh, we did get one from Dave Thompson in Bracebridge, Muskoka guy. Chris from Canada is also a Muskoka guy. Um, and Dave Thompson apparently is known as Blue Light. So here's, here's the question, and the Tampa being on such a good roll is what twigged me to it. Do you think there are teams in the East that really want to do something but might be reluctant just because of how dominant Tampa is? Does that factor mm. into a team's decision matrix? How much of a future do we mortgage so we can get dusted by Tampa in four games? <laughs> do you think that comes into play at all? It doesn't for me. I, I, I mean, I, I think that teams like Boston just made the Charlie Coyle trade. Um, and I thought that was a smart move by Don Sweeney, to be fair. And I think he's going to add another piece. Although I don't know yet. I, I thought they gave up a lot. I think Donato's a good little player. Anyway, continue. Yeah, well, and he might turn out to be a good little player uh, moving forward. But, um, I mean, you know, Boston wants to, to make sure that they've got enough going in secondary scoring to to battle against, and I don't think they're done either. No, I don't think they're done either. I mean, you know, maybe Zuccarello's a fit there. I mean, they, there's there's an Hayes, appetite. Hayes, yeah. Kevin hates uh, add another piece. Mark keep, Stone keep collecting those Boston guys. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, and look, do we honestly think like not to bring it back to Toronto again? But I will. Like <laughs> Babcock must be driving Kyle Dubas bananas. You know, <laughs> with pure. Comparisons. Like, look, hey, how are we going to get Kelvin, I think by? you just got your clip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So, I, I mean, I, it, I don't it, think that teams would ever scare away because they think one, you know, the, the team ahead of them is just too dominant, so I'm giving up the fight. Uh, uh, my, my own take on that is no, it, it doesn't matter because, you know what, you don't even know if you're going to get Tampa. You know, you, yeah. You know, there could be an upset along the way. You could be on the other side in the Metro Division, mm-hmm. whatever. You can't worry about what other teams are doing. You've got to make your team yeah. as good as you can. But I think, you know, teams like Boston are going to try and do it in a measured way. Same thing with Toronto. You're not going to blow your brains out if you don't think your window's wide open. But uh, I thought it, the question was going to be about Tampa because I, I thought the more as interesting a question, not more, because I thought that was a great question. Okay, well, since we're with Tampa, yeah. then talk well, about Well, I Tampa. thought the question is, would you do anything if you're Julian Brisebois? And, you know, I know that they kicked the tires on Wayne Simmons weeks ago. I don't know that Tampa has circled back and been as persistent, if at all, compared to other teams with Philadelphia on Wayne Simmons. You guys know this. I love the Wayne Simmons fit in Tampa. I don't know that Julian Brisebois agrees with me, because I thought Tampa got pushed around near the end of the Eastern Conference Final by Washington last spring. There's so little you can dissect about Tampa right now where you'd say they have a hole. They don't have holes. No. But are they as big up front as you'd like them to be if you got to beat a Boston and a Washington again maybe? Yeah. Who knows? Right? A couple of questions. We do have some listener questions on Tampa. So here's one uh, from Yager. Uh, not Yarmer, but Yager. Uh, it's his first name. Although it wouldn't shock and, me. And he says, uh, to, to Tampa, Wayne Simmons, 
to Philly, J.T. Miller. The trade is one for one. Maybe a Philly cheesesteak swap for a Tesla, but that's about it. Who says no? Obviously, Simmons is an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Miller's signed for multiple years mm-hmm. to go. But it, it, it is funny how often you hear J.T. Miller's name yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they're shopping him, but there certainly seems to be a sense that in terms of the overall thinking globally again for the Tampa Bay Lightning, not just this year, but going forward, that maybe that's a contract that they might want to move at some point. Well, and and I don't know that Julian Breesbaugh looks at J.T. Miller the same way that Steve Eiserman did. And, and when they were engaging in that trade talk with Ryan McDonough going to the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, it didn't seem like that deal was going to happen. And then all of a sudden... Um, the Rangers said, "Well, you know, what if what if Miller was part of the deal?" Right. And Iserman went, "Oh, well, that's different." You know. That, so then, then the Rangers ended up getting the pieces and the assets that they needed in return. I, I mean, if if I were Breezeball, that would be of interest to me because mm-hmm. from a cap perspective, moving forward, it's not like Tampa Bay, you know, doesn't need to remove some space. Now you lose a good piece in J.T. Miller on the long term, but you're going to lose somebody anyway moving forward. The thing is, one of the reasons I think Steve Eisman liked J.T. Miller being part of the Ryan McDonough deal is that, again, he felt they weren't big enough up front. Right. Yeah. And Miller addressed that to some degree. Now he hasn't been... No. You know, he hasn't been great as a Lightning, but he is still bigger than a lot of their forwards. So I, I don't know. that that It's not a crazy thought. I actually think, to finish my thought on Tampa, I think their priority, if at all, is to add depth on defense. It's the old, if we're going four rounds, yeah, we yeah. need D. And that's a question we've got here from Brian B., who says, Hey, guys, big fan. I'm a Lightning fan, so it's only fitting I ask a trade question with the league leaders. Do you think they make a depth move before the deadline to get a defenseman like Cody Cece, or do you think the fact that they're as dominant as they are, that they'll uh, that they'll get a rental like Panarin or Simmons to put them over the top Holy and try smokes. and guarantee a cup this year? Can't see why big they would need Panarin no. as great as he is. No, they're so not going to get that's up. That's a no. No. CC, I've seen his name out there before, but that's more than a depth move. That's uh, a guy that's yeah. coming in a big needing to play too. four or five minutes on your yeah. Sorry, four roll or five roll. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they add a depth defenseman is is the, mo- the most probable thing I think for Tampa. Well, like, it. but I tell you, I would love to see Simmons, and I, I just. You can't bank on playing Washington again. I mean, who knows okay. with the Caps. But I'm telling you, Wayne Simmons being on the ice at the same time as Tom Wilson would make me feel better if I was. Yeah, it's a bit of a balance. And, then, and that was going to be my point in terms of whether you feel you, you need that bite up front or can you add that element on the back end. And mm. if you're okay with adding it on the back end and you're, you're thinking you need a depth defenseman, then why wouldn't Adam McQuaid make sense in Good Tampa point. Bay? Yeah. Well, I've been putting it off, putting it off for a long time, but we've got to talk about Ottawa. I've been hoping that some news would break here. It hasn't yet, so I'll put it out just a little bit longer because guess what, boys? <laughs> it's time to pay the bills. Perfect. The bill's got to be paid here. And you know who pays the bill around here? Untuck it. Now, I've seen you guys in social settings, and I have to tell you, your shirt, it's untucked, and it's too long. It's, like, way too long. Yeah, I need some help. You need some help with the, the, yeah. the casual look. And I, both you guys. You definitely need help, Pierre. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> easy pickings here. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> I could find a mirror real easy right now, too. <laughs> so anyways, here's the thing with Untuck It. It's not a good look when you've got the long, bulky dress shirt. And that's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. It's perfect. Casual shirt that's not too long, not too short. 
Untucked shirts are a go-to for any occasion, from casual to dressy, and that includes Trade Center Monday, deadline day. Get your Untucked shirt on with more than 50 sizing options. Every guy, even Pierre, even me, <laughs> even Dregs, mm-hmm. can find the perfect shirt. So go to Untucket.com, check out all the new arrivals, use the promo code BOBCAST, for 20% off your purchase, you guys can do that if you want. I'll save you some money. Nice. Tell them you know Bob personally. Or um, you could head to the uh, first Canadian retail store in Sherway Gardens. Uh, or shop online anywhere. So, Pierre, stop hiding your shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt. Untuckit.com. <laughs> promo code BOBCAST. B-O-B-C-A-S-T. And should point out, of course... Who's the uh, the face of Untucket now in Canada? Wayne Gretzky. Yes. So there you go. True. Excellent. Alrighty, we put it off long enough. Waiting for big news out of Ottawa. It hasn't happened just yet, but let's uh, blue sky a few things. Uh, they're trading Matt Duchesne, correct, Regs? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we have to allow for a small percentage chance that he stays in Ottawa. Um, I'm told he's not. He's not signing there, and he's going to be traded. And we know that Pierre Dorian has had a number of conversations with teams about trading uh, Matt Duchesne. So uh, I can't imagine that. They, they come around. And it's been an interesting dynamic specific to Duchesne. Uh, you know, Pat Brisson obviously had no problem having multiple conversations with Dorian, but they were conversations. And they were ballpark conversations. They were talking about parameters and all of that. But they never got to a point of where they were actually negotiating. And I don't think that they're going to get to that point. So uh, Pierre Dorian is herding cats right now. He's continuing to work on Mark Stone and some of the other elements. And, you know, uh, Matt Duchesne is just in a wait-and-see mode at this point from a trade perspective. So we don't expect Duchesne in the Ottawa Senator lineup tonight. I guess the question that I have, Dregs, is, 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 is will the Senators play ball with Duchesne to put him in a spot where maybe he's going to sign a longer-term deal so that they might get conditional picks or additional things? Or are they just going to play it straight and trade him wherever they get the best offer yeah. and let Duchesne worry about his future? I, I think the latter, which is a bit surprising. You know, I, when you've got an asset, the quality of Matt Duchesne, when you try and maximize it, period? And I know there are teams out there that are in trade discussion with the Ottawa Senators that like the idea of extending his contract and, and keeping him longer term. Um, but I don't believe that Paprasan has been brought into the mix whereby he has been given full pr- approval to talk to teams about that possibility. And I, I don't get the sense the Ottawa Senators are overly concerned with that either. And that might be based on the trade discussions that Dorian has had with the interested general managers mm-hmm. where he feels he's getting and, enough back. And Pierre, you mentioned earlier in the podcast about Nashville. It's, it seems like such a natural fit. And I get the feeling that... Matt Duchesne would look very kindly on going to Nashville. Oh, yeah. I think he's got real estate there. Well, uh, Dean Brown, play-by-play voice of the Senators, tweeted uh, last week, and, and it is not that it wouldn't be true. Of course it would be, but it is. We know independently true that uh, Matt Duchesne has an investment property in Nashville. Now, I think it's really because Matt Duchesne's a crazy country music oh, yeah. fan himself, a musician, as we saw this year. So I, I mean, it's kind of funny, though. If it, it It's not recent, a, though. Like He's owned this property for like two, three years. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. that, yeah. that's a fact. Yeah. And it is an investment uh, property, and his buddy, I think, owns all that, the Airbnb. All that said, I think the Nashville Predators, as For sure. you pointed out, have interest in Duchesne. And I think of all the places 
where you could land and maybe get a contract that Matt Duchesne would like to go to Nashville. Yeah, although they would some, they would have some cap management to figure out yeah, this summer as well. Too. That's a story for another day, but they're going to have to extend Yossi. And, yep. yeah. and I guess we'll get into the P.K. Subban trade rumors then. I'm just kidding, oh. everyone. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I think, listen, I, Columbus, as we reported, has called Ottawa a bunch of times on Duchesne. Uh, Dregs, you mentioned the Islanders. I think the Dallas Stars are an interesting wild card out there in terms of the kind of phone calls they're keeping up just in case, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it's, I understand maybe why Ottawa wouldn't want to bring in Pat Brisson on the process because maybe it makes it a cleaner trade. And all you do if you're Ottawa, you say, if he signs with the team we yeah, trade him to, you got to give us X. Thing. I mean, right. Buffalo had its return turn into a first-round pick when Vander Kane resigned in San Jose. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But you might get more if you brought him in. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Mark Stone time. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because I think we thought we would know by now, and by now I'm saying it's just past 3 p.m. Eastern as we're taping this. We'd know one way or the other. Mark Stone signing with Ottawa or Mark Stone's going to market. We thought we would know that by now. And, and we still don't. So there are going to be some people who say, well, that must mean that maybe things are headed in a good direction, positive for Ottawa Senators fans, that Mark Stone's going to re-sign in Ottawa. And, and I, I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to that theory. But, I mean, you, because we haven't heard anything to the contrary, you've got to at least allow for that possibility. Here's what I think I, I, think I know. Um, the dialogue continues between the Ottawa Senators and Mark Stone. I would imagine it's, and I'm so sick of saying it, it's getting to crunch time here. Um, and and whether I thought for sure and think for sure that it should come to a head before the game tonight. But if it doesn't, if the Ottawa Senators don't believe they're on the verge of signing Mark Stone to a contract, then I don't think they have any choice but to do with Mark Stone what we expect they're going to do with Matt Duchesne, and that is take him out of the lineup tonight. And I'd go one step further and say, you know what? Same deal with Ryan Zingle. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and because it's no different. You, if you're the Ottawa Senators, if you don't have guys' names on dotted lines before the game tonight or an agreement in principle with these guys, then it behooves Pierre Dorian to protect the assets. And so I think that'll be the... You know the the clincher. Um, if they don't show up in the lineup tonight, then it's pretty <laughs> obvious they're not signed. Um, if they do show up in the lineup tonight, and and listen, we've heard as I said before, we've heard the rumors back and forth all day, all week, all month. We heard a rumor earlier today that the Sens were preparing for a news conference that was going to happen on Friday, a game day, and that that they're they're going to name Mark Stone the captain. And I don't doubt for a moment that if they were to get Mark Stone's name on a contract here in the next 12, 24 hours, that they would announce it and they, they would make him the captain and, and, and all of that stuff. But turned out that that was way either premature or incorrect. So right now, at this moment in time, the beat goes on. I think, though, even if we don't get that cataclysmic moment, and we never got it with Matt Duchesne. No. We never got uh, Matt Duchesne saying, that's it, I'm not signing in Ottawa, mm-hmm. and the Ottawa Senators announcing, oh, Matt Duchesne's now available for trade. We thought we would have that moment. It never happened. Not that simple. And we knew, <clears throat> and, and when Pierre Dorian started talking trade with so many teams, then it became apparent, Matt Duchesne's going to be traded. Yeah. He's not signing mm-hmm. back, even though nobody has said that officially. 
And maybe the same thing's going to happen with Mark Stone here. It simply is that the dialogue continues and the deal's not done. He gets withheld from a game, potentially. And Pierre Dorian now, I mean, the deadline's on Monday. It's Thursday afternoon. Yeah. You know, he's got to get busy here. <laughs> and so I'm sure he's probably, you know, and he spent time with Kevin Sheveldayoff in Winnipeg. Anyways, yeah. what are we hearing? For, if, if Mark Stone's going to be traded, the, what are the number of assets we're looking at? We've heard four. What, four? Yeah, four. Two and first it, round picks and two prospects or players? Uh, potentially, yeah. And uh, I'm not so sure that the picks are going to be as big a problem, but it depends on, the, again, the quality of the player that would need to come out of Winnipeg. And uh, again, we talked about the potential pieces, but I, I, I believe that Shoveldayoff and Dorian have had substantive conversation. But have they gotten to a point of negotiating? You can't, right? I mean, there's an established amount of interest in Mark Stone. Mm -hmm. But unless Mark Stone is available, you're, you're just talking about theories, right? But no question, Winnipeg will, Winnipeg will be willing to ante up. There's and, no doubt. And the danger for Ottawa, though, for a player like Mark Stone, I think if you're that serious and wanting to get him, you're always making sure you leave that window open. But I tweeted this this morning, and I think it made Senators fans nervous. I don't know why it should, but... There are teams that have started to get a little more serious in their calls on Plan B and Plan C around the league, namely calls to the Rangers yeah. to the Red Wings, because they don't want to be, you know, holding the bag at the end of all this and not even having added, right? Because they've been waiting on Ottawa. And I reported on NBC last night that there's a bunch of teams that are starting to get into a lather because they want Mark Stone, and the Ottawa Senators have been focusing yeah. on trying to sign him as they should, right? And and so I'm I, I think that worm's got to turn pretty quick here. Um, because, as you point out, if if they can't get conversation, can't get traction on conversation with Mark Stone, then they're going to have to start looking elsewhere. And, and I, I got to tell you, and this is pure, pure, pure speculation, spitballing on my part. I don't think there's a single team that thinks it has a shot at Mark Stone that isn't thinking they're going to sign him at some point. I don't think he's going as a rental. Now that doesn't mean it happens well, right away. Right, it it then, might go right to June thirtieth. No, but you're right. But, but team, I'm telling you, he's such a special player. Teams that want him as a rental. The teams right. that want him. Now, the, although Winnipeg. Well, this is why. <laughs> this is where I'm going with this. Yeah. I, uh, okay. Good luck. I, with I don't want to get you radioed. But, oh no. I, just, I but, mean, automatically, if, if if Winnipeg is the fortunate team that gets Mark Stone, he's coming in at what nine and a half, ten, ten million. Well, Winnipeg's got to move out some big pieces. and You mean past this year? Yeah, yeah. past this year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you're signing Mark Stone, then as crazy as it sounds, I think you have to start wondering about Patrick Lyon or go. one of those younger pieces. So, okay, I mean, I'll take, you off, the, I'll take you off the hook here because <laughs> we actually have a, we have a question from Rob. I'm so bad. We yeah. have a question from Rob who Led says, if the, it's, a, it's a John Tortorella hypothetical. <laughs> okay. If the Jets were able to negotiate with both Stone and Duchesne, he's got both guys, oh, wow. Stone and Duchesne before February 25th and signed them both for at least three years, would you trade Line A and Little for Stone and Duchesne? I'm not sure you could still make it work, though, could you? I, I mean, if Stone is 10, Matt Duchesne's going to be 8 no, for probably sure. not. Quite aside from that, that's where people are going to go, that if the Winnipeg Jets were to get Mark Stone yeah. and give up significant assets to do it, and so you're saying four pieces, so we're hearing two first-round picks and two prospects. Young players. I don't know what the definition of a first-round pick. The, is it a first-round draft pick, an actual first-round draft pick? 
And would a guy like Christian Veselainen, yeah. who's one year removed from being a first-round pick, count as a first-round pick as opposed to a prospect? Right. And then the prospects are lesser guys yeah. that, that are not come with as much pedigree? I don't know. It's all blue sky stuff. But anyways, we can go round and round and round in circles on this one. Um, well, the Lion A narrative, yeah. that's going to develop uh, you know, between now and the draft, and and Especially only if he keeps not scoring. Well, and, well, and, and he needs a new contract, and he needs a new contract. Yeah. And yeah. I think any, anyone could understand why Shovelayoff, if if the scoring woes continue. I mean, they love Patrick Liney, but yeah. the reality, of the business kicks in, and maybe you try and force him into a bridge. Yeah, and, and if you're going to want and, that, and I'm guessing, and I'm not speaking for Mike Leuda's agent, but I know any agent. In the business, who's got a player coming off entry level? If he struggled in his platform year, which is this year, and obviously he didn't struggle in November, and his numbers are still yeah. good, mm. uh, but not for the past couple of months they haven't been. And that agents just say, yeah, ignore that and just look at the total number of goals he scored in his first three years, and that's a double digit yeah. AAV. Yeah. 10 plus. And to your point, the, the Jets are going to be like, we haven't gotten a goal out of him in three months. Like, come on. And they've got and, Kyle Connor, who's a pretty good hockey player. He's going to well, probably I, score 30. <laughs> as you guys know, as well as me, the playoffs end up playing such a determining factor in what you think of a player, anyway. So, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to predict how he's going to come play out. out but I actually think Mike Liute would want a bridge deal. It's funny. You said the Jets forcing lining a bridge right. deal. I, I would think the player would want a bridge deal. Right. You, you want to negotiate your biggest contract at your highest level leverage position. Yeah, but player. players, I, I my theory on that is, is that even if Austin Matthews had had a terrible year this year, yeah, he wouldn't be expecting or thinking he's going to take any less money than he got. That th- right. those players feel like they've established a market for value sure. for what they've done, and 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 you can and whether it was you know and it was like when Ryan Johansson came out of entry level, so he had a great platform year, but he had a terrible three year sample size, mm-hmm. and and so they just focused on well the platform year he's going to be a star, so pay him, yeah, and they end up doing the you know the bridge deal that they did. In uh, in Columbus, but anyways, uh, it'll be interesting. On Stone, I'll only say this: I, I've been saying all along, it's much much more likely than not that he'll go to market. But the fact that we're still sitting here at three fifteen on mm-hmm. Thursday afternoon, and dialogue continues, the door can't be closed on that. But uh, as I say, the rubber hits the road tonight when they drop the puck and whether the guy's in the lineup or not. And, and I really don't have a feel for what Winnipeg would do with Stone if they got him. But I will tell you, I think Calgary and Vegas would absolutely do everything they can to get that guy in your contract. See, and the word I get out of Vegas, though, is that they're not going after rentals, and that includes yeah. Mark Stone. Yeah. So but what, I've they, heard they the could sign him. I don't know. Yeah. I think Stone, Shifley, and Wheeler would look pretty good going into the playoffs, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> So while we were just talking there, um, our good friend Pierre Lebrun tweeted out a little bit of news on uh, Mike Hoffman in Florida. Go ahead, Pierre. Yeah, our understanding is that uh, his camp um, was asked yesterday to submit the 10-team no-trade list that Mike Hoffman has. They, I think they have till noon Eastern Friday to submit that list. It's a no list, so mm-hmm. 10 teams that he would not waive to go to. Um, and I don't think it means necessarily that Mike Hoffman's getting traded. I think it's just Florida making sure, which every team should, that if they're getting calls and the in, the offers start to get really, really interesting, that they don't have their hands tied by the fact that the no way no trade thing isn't, you know, filed. Mm-hmm. So interesting though, because I clearly teams are calling about Mike Hoffman, 
All right, boys, we're rapidly running out of time here. We haven't touched on nearly enough teams, so we're going to do some rapid-fire stuff here to try to to get through it as best we can because uh, I think uh, O-Dog and Noodles and Hayes and the boys are coming in here to try and claim their studio back. So let's get rolling here. New York Islanders. Uh, Lou's got to be all in, or if not all in, real busy, doesn't he? he yeah, I, I think he's going to go as hard as he can after Matt Touchane. I think they'll be in those sweepstakes. I just so here's the thing. I, I I gotta know if you're Lou Lamarello that if you're in on Matt Duchesne that you can sign him because can you imagine if he rented Matt Duchesne and lost him July first a year after losing John Tavares? No, I think the plan. And you've got Everly, you've got Everly and Anders Lee and Brock Nelson. Yeah. They're all on expiring yeah. contracts. But you know what? Here's here's my theory on Lou. Said it before. Say it again. He's 76 years old. He's got a team that is playing as well as just about anybody mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference against all odds. And they've got their big game against Toronto coming up. Um, and he lives to win Stanley Cups. And he's not going to sit on his hands and say, oh, yeah, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll try to build here something. No, I, I think he's, he's going to try to be as, as busy as he can be. But it makes no sense for Columbus to trade Panarin within their own division to the Islanders. No, I know everyone's linking Panarin to Lou, but I think that's a July 1st thing, perhaps. Okay, so here's my two cents on, on Columbus, my rapid fire on Columbus. I'd be... Possible they trade Panarin? I'd be really, really surprised. Hmm. I think he's worth more to them in the lineup than he is to what anybody will pay to get him. I, I couldn't agree more. Okay, Boston Bruins, are they done? No. No, I think they're going to add. They, hey, they like Charlie Coyle as a, a number three center. Yep. So, I mean, he's versatile. He can play the wing as well. I think they add a winger. Zuccarello, Hayes. I, I mean, those are the guys that they're they're dialed into, and maybe Ryan Dezingle from the uh, mm-hmm. Ottawa Senators. Yeah, when we were talking Senators, I forgot to mention it. Everything we said about Duchesne Stone does, and applies to Dezingle. Yeah. Insofar as if if he's not down the road on a contract before game time tonight, yank him out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Fascinating team uh, for sure. Furlan's going to go to the wire. Like I think that they feel that they probably have to keep him as an own rental because they're in the playoff race. But I would caveat that by saying. If someone really steps up on him, I think it's an 11th hour decision for that organization. In the meantime, they're open for business on whether someone would step up on one of their three right-handed defensemen in a hockey deal, but that could just as much happen in the offseason. Buffalo Sabres. I see uh, General Manager Jason Botterill is fielding questions about whether Phil Housley <laughs> should be fired or could be fired. Uh, the fans in Buffalo are getting a little owly because the gap seems to be opening up between the, the, the playoff teams and, and them. Um, what do they do? They're not doing anything stupid is what, is what they're going to do. I yeah. mean, they, 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 they got the big picture lens on. I did hear that they poked around a bit on Carl Hagelin, by the way, but they were only going to go down that path if yeah. they could basically get him for a fifth or a sixth, I think. Obviously, he went for a third. Um, they're, they're calling teams, is my understanding, and they're looking for a young defenseman, like someone in that 19 to 25 age you know, bracket that fits in with everything they're doing. I'm a big Jason Botterill fan. Uh, Randy Sexton, his lieutenant's a really wise hockey guy. They're not going to get rattled by the way that market is reacting. No, but I, I do think that they, you know, in addition to maybe a, you know, a defenseman, I think they'd like to add some secondary scoring. And probably what they could do to appease the market a little bit was get the Skinner deal done. You know, I mean, they've been talking about that contract yeah. negotiation. Newport Sports a little weeks. busy right now. I don't yeah, know. If well, yeah, well, okay, but Jeff Skinner fits into the grouping of the Ottawa guys in yeah. terms of his production. And I, I get look, I, I do WJGR radio 
every single Friday. And every Friday for the last Skinner two question. months, I get a Skinner But question. the trade deadline's not really relatable no. to Jeff Skinner. No, unless he wants to go, but he's got full no move, full no trade. Yeah. He's driving the bus. That's going to be an interesting negotiation because he's shooting the lights out. Yeah. And he's been so good with Eichel. Um, you know, and I'm sure the Sabres are looking at it and saying, oh, you know what, Let's we got to get this guy in the $8 million range because um, it won't be seven, it'll be eight. And then I'm sure the Skinner's looking at the numbers and saying number nine would look nice in front of that. Right, And they've already started those conversations, yes, but I think there's been a bit of a pause because I think they want, you know, prob- I, I think it's going to pick up after the trade deadline again is my sense of that one. You you mentioned briefly Dallas earlier. They might they be that sneaky team that surprises here. I somebody? doubt it. I mean, one thing that we know about Jim Neal, like Doug Armstrong, Brad Treliving. I mean, the guys who've been around for a while. I mean, he's in a lot of conversations, and there's been so much upheaval and disappointment in Dallas that of course they're going to kick tires potentially on on the big boys like Panarin or uh, Duchesne or Stone or it, it it just it's too complicated from a cap perspective. Mm-hmm. So if they want to consider not a full scale over hall but a fairly significant renovation if necessary maybe you do something like that at the draft san jose normally is active at the deadline as we know speaking of gms that likes to swing for the fences doug wilson i think the sharks view that they've already made their big trade deadline deal of the year and that was eric carlson happens to be in september but you know they picked up michael haley off waivers i think if there's a nice little bargain there where they can add a third line forward that might be something they look at by the way i coached michael haley in lacrosse He's Mike, tough. Nasty bit of business, Mike. He is Lally. a tough kid. He's, he, uh, he and Mike McKenzie were four years old playing paperweight lacrosse together. <laughs> He's a tough kid. So you taught him how to throw him? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd have a tough time licking my lips, and uh, he's, uh, he's pretty good at that. Um, Minnesota, there's got to be more coming. Yeah, I mean, outside of listening on the Grandlands and Brodines of the world, which could just as well be a summer thing. The Eric Stahl situation at some point is going to have to come to a head because he is a pending UFA. I think it's very clear. I mean, we've done some reporting on it, Michael Russo as well. Eric Stahl doesn't want to go anywhere as far as I can tell and has a 10-team no-trade list, which is stacked with the obvious team. So at some point, Rick Kern, who's the agent for Eric Stahl, and Paul Fenton will have to have one final conversation about the calls that Fenton's getting and whether or not it's happening or not. And I don't think, you know, it may very well not happen. I don't know what you think, Bob. No, I think you're right. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. But I also think that trading coil um, and getting the green light um, from owner Craig Leopold for Paul Fenton to make moves that could set the team back in the short term to to reload, um, I think uh, all options are on the table there. Um, I'll take uh, Detroit very quickly. Um Gus Nyquist, full no trade. He drives the bus on when or if he gets moved. But the Wings are talking to teams about him. They would like to re-sign him, but uh, they're talking to teams. But that's a dangerous game when he's got a full no trade because he just might shut it down or whatever. But maybe the Wings will present something to him. We've mentioned Nick Jensen time and time again um, as a as a you know bottom half of the defense. Uh, you know, a, a four or five or six who's playing 20-plus minutes against tough competition, right shot D. Um, those guys are in demand, and yeah. uh, so he, he'll he'll be moving. 
I, I would and, and some think, think that the Leafs are leaning that way more right. so than McQuaid if yep. if you're adding that type of defenseman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, New York Rangers uh, reported on NBC <laughs> last night that the Rangers are hopeful, optimistic, and getting lots of action on Hayes, Zuccarello, McQuaid. The asking price on Hayes, which they think will be met, is a first-round pick and a prospect. The asking price on Zuccarello is a second-round pick and a prospect, mm. which they think could be met. And the asking price on McQuaid would be a third-round pick, which they think could be met. Uh, Simmons, how did Philly he move or not? It honestly could go either way. I mean, I think it's more likely than not that he moves. But I will tell you this, if the Flyers can keep can put some wins together here this week. It's going to be an awfully interesting decision for Chuck Fletcher. They think they're still in the race. They want to win. But I think what it really comes down to is we're not trading Wayne Simmons if it's you're trying to steal him from us. Like teams are going to have to step up and Wayne Simmons come Monday. But I think they might. I think they might, yeah. depending on what happens again with Ottawa and the New York Rangers. Because players of, of that significance with his experience, his character, mm-hmm. high value. Um, St. Louis has made quite a run here. What's that mean for the trade deadline? Anything? Are they adding now? Yeah. I mean, I had Doug Armstrong on, on my podcast last week. Oh, and, well, and, look at you. Well, uh, la And uh, now, a lot's happened even since then because they mm-hmm. keep winning. But, but he talked about hockey deals, not rental deals. Probably, my guess is, has softened that stance a bit in seven days because yeah. literally have not lost a game and they're the hottest team in the league. But I still think because they traded the first-round pick in the Ryan O'Reilly deal that they have to be judicious in the kind of assets they part with. Makes sense. I mentioned Vegas earlier on. The, the party line out of Vegas right now, and again, you know, sometimes you get to Monday, the prices come down on some of the rentals. But the word I got out of mm. Vegas is not in on the big boy rentals. They're mm. not in on significant, paying any significant price for a short-term fix. They don't like the way they're playing right now, but they want to fix it. And if, if the... They want to fix it from within, and if they can't fix it from within, then they want to do hockey deals. And that means um, trading guys for uh, that have term or mm-hmm. just things that make sense, not going down the rental market. Anyways, fellas, uh, final thoughts. Got anything? Well, we didn't mention Pittsburgh. I think that even though Jim Rutherford has done a million things, he still likes to tweak. And one name I, I threw in my blog today that would make sense for them if – is Alex Chase on in Edmonton because yeah. of a cheap cap hit and another forward to throw in the mix, which is the area I think that they would tweak if possible. Not a big thing, but something to keep in mind. I also wonder about Bob Murray and the Anaheim Ducks. And and Bob is busy, right? He's got a lot going on. Being Coach on the Bob. Bench now, Coach Bob. All he's uh, doing is winning, too. Yeah, uh, which isn't helping. <laughs> he's going to take himself picture. right out of the lottery <laughs> if he's not careful. But you wonder what they might do. I mean, you, you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast about uh, Montour potentially, not that they would shop him, but just how do you acquire that piece? You have to pay big. Yeah, yeah you'd have to pay big. But, I, I, I mean, Adam Henrique's name has been out there. Whether that contract makes sense to anyone, I don't know. And what if they really attack the core if things go sideways? And lob Corey Perry in the mix, as an example. I mean, an enormous eight-plus-million-dollar cap. I mean, it's it, it seems like an off-season thing if you're going to do it. But you know, see how things go. It's interesting to watch in Anaheim. Anecdotally speaking, I understand on on t- social media why Bob Murray and the Ducks are taking such a beating, because people are looking at the Kessler contract and the yeah, Getzlaff Perry yeah. Getzlaff and Perry contracts, and they're looking where they've been and how bad they've been, and hiring Carlisle for the second time, and all of that. And and there's no end of of uh, of people who want to heap abuse on Bob Murray and the Anaheim Ducks. And and I'm not 
pals with with Bob at all. In fact, he gets mad at me sometimes. He was didn't like my coverage of the Hampus Lindholm contract negotiation, but that's another story for another day. But I'm going to tell you something. I was looking it up, and and Ducks have had five consecutive 100 point seasons. They've been to the conference final twice in the last five years. Absent of winning a Stanley Cup, which I fully understand is the the ultimate measuring stick. Outside of a so, different regime, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but since in the in the last five years, I mean, mm-hmm. there's there have not been many more success that have won more hockey games, and than than Anaheim, both regular season and to some degree in the playoffs. You know, most teams, a lot of teams don't ever get to the conference final mm-hmm. once, never mind twice in a five year period. Or have and and, I, and I'm not sure if I'm not sure and I didn't. This is typical me. My research was I, I got busy and I didn't fully. <laughs> I'm not sure there's another team in the National Hockey League that has five consecutive hundred point seasons in the last five years. And I understand where they are now, and I understand the decisions that get made and why they get made sometimes, and I understand why people mm-hmm. would go after them. But you know what? They made a lot of really good decisions there, and that's been a competitive hockey team. But when when you miss the mark. When you take your shot and you sign all these guys and you don't win the cup and then you end up with some of the mess that you've uh. got right now, it looks really, really bad on you. But you know what? In, in fairness, I think uh, uh, there's a lot of franchises would yeah. would trade well, their situation for five straight 100-point seasons. Yeah, Washington's probably in that group, although I, off the top of my head I haven't double-checked that. Yeah, they didn't win five, but they won a cup. So. Yeah. But San Jose is always up there. But, yeah. you know, first of all, the Ducks draft like nobody's business. And so, in fact, part of the light at the end of the tunnel for them is that they've got kids in San Diego. I'm thinking of Troy Terry and Max Jones and Jacob Larson. It's not going to be like no. they, they can retool this thing in a hurry. They got they got young players coming. Obviously, those contracts to Kessler and, and Perry are a big problem. But that that's a team that's been competitive forever and without always being a cap team. Sometimes yeah. they have to be a budget team there. And I, I think, listen, this year's been a disaster, but they've done a lot of good things there, to your point. Anyways, boys, I want to uh, thank you very much for coming in, taking your time at this busy time. Second annual Bobcast visit. <laughs> Trade Center extravaganza, pre-Trade Center extravaganza edition. I'm going to have to, if I have time, I'm not sure when I'll have time, but I will get that bottle of Jameson for dregs and a nice Italian, maybe a Brunello, for Pierre, and we'll refine his palate, <laughs> uh, amongst other things. But I also want you guys to know that between now and Monday, it's it's like scaling Mount Everest, and we are going to climb that mountain. And we're going to leave no man behind, because, boys, we have all been to the summit many times <laughs> before, and you know what? When you get to the summit, you can see what's on the other side. Mail it in March. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> Brothers, mail it in March. I mean, we, we can't see it yet. There's way too much work to be done. There's way too much climbing between now and Monday. But trust me, when we get to the top on Monday, and, and if, by the way, one of us should happen to stumble and fall down the mountain, if one of us should succumb to our injuries between now and Monday, uh, to be overwhelmed by the climb, so to speak, I rest assured we will carry on and we will carry your cold, dead body up the summit and take it to Boca for the general manager's yes, we meetings. Will. And we will drink pina coladas 
out of whoever's hollowed-out skull <laughs> remains after the climb. My goodness. Anyway, boys, got to fly. Uh, insider trading tonight. Leafs caps tonight. Uh, enjoy the deadline. Tune in on Monday. No llamas. Just no. deals, deals, and more deals than Pierre. What do you got to say? Flyers Habs in my case on TSN. Flyers Habs. You're not doing Sens? And I am. Uh, no, next Tuesday is Sens game. Okay, well, we don't care about that. Deadline's passed. Have a good one, everyone. Enjoy Trade Center on Monday. Like I said, no llamas. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's At TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.